0: But today I want to spend a few moments just continuing our series uh, that we started this past week on the book of Ephesians. And uh, we we opened up last week with just talking about the uh, general setting of what we're reading. We're going to take uh, week by week. We're not going to get through maybe a chapter every week. As you saw last week, we got through six verses, seven verses. Uh, Today we'll make a lot more ground, I promise you. Uh, We'll finish out chapter one. Um, but we want to just really read the word and just talk about what it says. And I know that that sounds like, well, duh, that's what we do. But if we're being honest with ourselves, it's so easy for us to just turn to the scriptures that we want to read, that we just turn to the passages of scripture that, that tells me God's for me and not against me, or that his promises are yes and amen. Like we, we, those make us feel good, and those are, are motivators for us, and they are all true. But when you take a whole book and you just go line by line through it, you've got to talk about everything in it. And so we want to do that today so that we can be fully devoted, fully mature followers of Christ. And so last week we saw that, um, that Paul's writing to the church at Ephesus. And Paul's writing from prison. He's in prison in Rome for preaching the gospel. And the church at Ephesus uh, is under persecution, under attack, because the whole city of Ephesus revolves around the worship of a pagan goddess Artemis, uh, some called Diana. And so Paul is writing to the church to strengthen them, to encourage them, and to remind them of who they are in Christ. Because when we're in this world, even though we're not of this world, when we're in this world, it's so easy to lose our identity. It's so easy to start to operate the way the world operates. And so Paul is writing to them and and helping them in their view of Christ. And if we were just to recap real quick, last week we we saw that, that Paul out the gate is calling the church to praise and to worship God in spite of their situation. That, that, that all the persecution, all the hate, all the turmoil that's going on, Paul is saying, in the middle of it all, I still, you need to praise and worship Jesus. And like we just discovered, when, we're, when, we're all, all, when we are in the middle of it all, when we open up our mouth, man, God does something supernatural in our situation. And when we stop telling God how big our problems are and start telling our problems how big our God is, then something happens. And so Paul says, man, you are chosen in Christ. He's letting them know today that you are chosen in Christ, that you are adopted, you are a son and a daughter of the Most High God, and that you are redeemed, that God set into motion a plan of redemption through His Son, Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful passage, and we're going to keep reading uh, this today uh, and examining examining it. And I know I left you on a cliffhanger this past Sunday and didn't finish out the notes. We'll, we'll give you that point today. Uh, but I, I would just encourage you to take out your Bibles. I, I said last week, I'm going to try to say it every week, bring a Bible to church, mark it up. Somebody was talking to me this past uh, week and they were saying, man, I, I heard the greatest idea. I was told the best gift you could ever give your child. They said, if you were to read the Bible uh, from, from, book, uh, from Genesis to Revelation every year, And mark it up, write notes in it, highlight things, do that for like three years. After three years, that book, that Bible is going to be all kinds of marked up and kind of worn in. They said, then save it and give that to your child as a gift. I said, wow, that's that's incredible. That's the most meaningful gift you'll ever give your child. And so uh, you might not do that, but I'm just encouraging you. Mark this book up, write in it, uh, uh, go back to it, and so that you can maybe one day give it to your child or the Lord will just uh, draw you back to a passage of Scripture. And so I would encourage you to do that. And so find your place in Ephesians chapter 1. If you have found your place in Ephesians, go down to verse 7. We'll read the last verse that we read last week to kind of set up the context here. If you have that, stand with me. I know I do this every once in a while. We're just going to read three verses and then pray, and then we'll get going. But if you have Ephesians 1 in your hand, or you can read it on the screen, you've got your place in verse 7, hold there and let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word. It is alive and it is active. God, we don't want to rush into this, read over this. This is not just an ordinary book. This is God's words right here on this paper, inspired by the Holy Spirit. And so, Father, right now, we open our hearts to hear your word. Speak to us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. All right. You can be seated. We're going to... Oh, we didn't read it. Yeah, I heard you. (laughs) You thought I didn't hear that. You see these things right here? They ain't that big for nothing, all right? That's okay. All, all the saints stayed standing. So if you, if you sat down, you just revealed your relationship with Jesus right there. All right. Verse 7. Y'all stop, okay? We got spiritual things to do. Um, verse 7, Ephesians chapter 1, it says this. And we're going to use it today. In Jesus' name we pray. Now you can say amen and be seated. All right. Y'all ain't going to let me miss a beat. (laughs) Right here in this text, Paul begins to make a transition. He's going from talking about things that have already been done in Christ, the chosen, adopted, and redeemed, to now making a transition to our present and then our future. And then he will end the chapter with a beautiful prayer that just ties it all back together. It's like a wrapping a bow on the present. It is so beautiful and powerful. And so uh, in this, Paul is going to help us to, to know who we are in Christ. He's going to reveal another spiritual blessing. And so last week we, we covered three spiritual blessings. This week we'll cover three again. And the next one that we see, not only are we chosen and redeemed and adopted, but from this passage that we just read, it says that the will of God is made known to people through Christ Jesus. That the will of God is made known to those who are in Christ. And so the blank there is that we can know the will of God in Christ. We can know the will of God in Christ. One of the biggest statements that people say all the time, our biggest questions, is, our biggest concerns is this. I wish I knew what God's will for my life was. I wish I knew what his plan for my life was. I wish I knew what it was. Can I help you today? Let me, let me bring peace to you. Let me resolve the issue. God's will for your life is for you to become more like Christ. God's will for your life is for you to become more like Jesus. And you're like, well, Michael, that doesn't solve my problems. That doesn't let me know whether or not I should take that job or not. That doesn't let me know whether I should break up with that boy or not. That doesn't let me know if I should have more kids or if I should, you know, take this promotion. That doesn't let me know the day to day struggles. That's what I want to know. But can I challenge you with this? Is that I would venture to say, the closer you are to Christ, the more you're going to hear Him in those situations. The closer you are to Christ the more you're going to hear him in those situations. We have the gift of the Holy Spirit that dwells in us so that we can know the will of God. And so the Holy Spirit will give you peace and not peace. Yeah. So, so many times the Holy Spirit will give us not peace instead of peace. And so when you're in a situation and you just don't feel right about it, that's probably the Holy Spirit, that check in your spirit. And so I, I would just encourage us is that you listen to whom you're closest to. You listen to whoever you're closest to. And if you're closer to Christ, you're going to hear him. You're going to listen to him. And he's going to lead you and he's going to guide you. So don't get so caught up in asking God, should I do this? And asking God, should I do that? And not focus on, I just want to be found in Christ. I want to know you more. I want, because once you sit at his feet, his ways become your ways. His heart becomes your heart. And when you're close to him and you're covered in him, then all of a sudden you're walking out the plan and the purpose you have for your life because you're more like Christ. And so Paul is saying you can know the will of God, that it was a mystery, but now it's no longer a mystery. And Paul even uh, talks about this in his prayer. Let's skip skip ahead to verse 15, where we start seeing him praying. He just reiterates this. He says, "...for this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your love towards all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers." And then verse seventeen. This is what Paul's praying right here. He says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him. So that he's praying that God would pour out the Holy Spirit, that it would be wisdom and revelation. Not in the decisions of this world, but in the knowledge of Christ, that you would know Christ more. That is God's ultimate desire for you, is that you would know Christ more. So you can, you can rest when you know that you're covered in Christ. You can uh, lay aside anxiety and worry about what the future holds when you know that you're found in Christ, that you're in Him, and He's leading you, He's guiding you. And then Paul, he begins to t- shift He said, okay, you've been chosen, you've been redeemed, you can know his will, but he said, that's not it. There's more blessings, and they're to come. They're not even right now. You haven't even obtained them all yet. There's something set aside for you in heaven, and he tells us that in verse 11. In verse 11, it says, in him, which we know is Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. And so he's saying, okay, you've been chosen, you've been redeemed, now you have an inheritance in Christ. We have an inheritance in Christ. And for that's good news for some of us, because for some of us, that's all the inheritance we're gonna get. Come on. All right. And so we have an inheritance that comes from the Lord. and, And he says, not only did I choose you and adopt you and redeem you, not only did I make my my will known to you, but I left something for you. I've got something for you. I have an inheritance for you. Well, what, what is he speaking of? Because I need to know. What's that inheritance? Well, it is an eternal inheritance. He's talking about our salvation. He's talking about eternal life, the preservation of our soul. He's saying that uh, he's saying that don't get so caught up in right here and right now and trying to be focused on this life that you forget that there's a next that there's something after this life. And it's so easy for us to get so caught up in living this life that we think that earth is our home. But as a follower of Christ, we we learn very quickly that earth is not our home, that we're just a stranger passing through that eternity, that heaven is our home, and that earth is our mission field, that we're on mission by God, that there is a next Along with what is God's will for my life, one of the biggest questions in the Christian faith is, is what happens after this life? What, what happens once my body dies? What, where do I go? What, what is it like? Well, I think that it's important for us to talk about because people are obsessed with the afterlife. Almost every movie that you go to, every video game that you play, the, the setting of that movie is taking place outside of this world or after this world's been destroyed or in a far, far galaxy. You know, it's, it's taking place after this world. And so uh, I think that that curiosity comes from your divine design because we were designed to be eternal people. That we are eternal people. We serve an eternal God, and we are an eternal people. That's why we have a spirit. This body will fall. This body will waste away, but my spirit will live on forever. And it's God's desire for you to spend eternity in heaven with him. That that it is God's desire that you be with him one day. That you be united back with him. And so, uh, earth is temporary. Heaven is our home. But, but I would be amiss and I would do you a disservice if I did not let you know that there's another place in eternity. That once we leave this place, we have a decision to make. See, we, once we leave this place, we're going to spend an eternity with God or away from God. And, and don't fall trapped to the popular uh, time of this culture that would say that, that there is no hell. That there is no place away from God. Some of us, we look at this earth and we think, well, this has got to be hell because it can't get much worse. But I'm telling you, the Bible's clear that in this place is weeping and gnashing of teeth, that there is turmoil in this place, that there is no happiness in this place. Uh, We must understand that hell is real. It's not make-believe. I know it makes for good preaching and I know it makes you feel good if all we talk about is heaven. And and don't get me wrong, heaven is glorious. Heaven is the place where I get to be face-to-face with my Savior. Heaven is the place where the Bible says there's no more tears, no more sadness. All that is wiped away. But you must understand that as a Christian, you have to live with eternity in mind. And that eternity is either heaven or it's hell. And the the choices and the life that you live here determines your next. The life that you live now will determine the next. And so if we get so focused on just living right here and right now, we'll miss out on the next. And so we have to make sure that we're always focused on eternity, that we don't get so consumed with this life that we forget that there is another life. You see, God has an inheritance stored up for you in heaven. God wants you to be with him in heaven. He is the father. We are his children. What, What father would want their child to be away from them? God said, I set up an inheritance. Jesus said, I went to prepare a place for you. And so we understand that God has something for us, but God puts it in our court. He makes us make the decision. He's done all the work. He's done all the legwork, all the groundwork, everything has been paid. He says, now you've got to decide. And that decision is not, do you believe in Jesus? Because even the demons believe. That decision is not, do you know God? Because even the devil knows who God is. The decision is, is he Lord of your life? Have you submitted to him? Or are you still in control? Have I, have I come under submission to the, to the lordship of Jesus Christ and asked him to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me of my past, and am I walking in newness of life? And that's what these people today are going to do as they get baptized. The Bible is clear. That this act of baptism, they come in, the, they go in the water one way, and they get up a new creation in Christ. It, it, it's supernatural. This is a supernatural, holy moment that will take place. And that is the decision that all of us, that we have to decide. Are we going to obtain that inheritance that God has for us? I don't know any child that their parent has left them an inheritance, and they're going to say, I don't want it. I don't want it. No, no, you want that inheritance. And God makes the... It makes the path clear. It's through Jesus Christ. And that's why we're talking about being found in Christ. The theme of all of this is in Christ. The next thing we see as we move on in verse 12 of Ephesians chapter 1, Paul says, because of this inheritance, we have this inheritance because we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. So Paul says, we attain this inheritance because you placed your hope in Christ. Paul mentions this a few verses later, again in the prayer. Let's reference that prayer again. Go with me to verse 18. In verse 18, he says this. This is his prayer. That you would have the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What is the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And so Paul's praying that the eyes of their heart would be opened, that they would know what the hope is and the inheritance is in Christ. And so we have hope in Christ. That's our next spiritual blessing that God pours out on his children, is that we are not a hopeless people, but that we have hope. And when Paul writes throughout the New Testament and he talks about hope, he talks about hope and hope in righteousness, Hope in salvation, hope in the glory of God, hope in eternal life, hope in a new body, that we are people of hope. We're optimistic people that in this world we're going to have trouble, but we can take heart because our God overcame the world. So I don't grieve the same way the world grieves. I have hope that Jesus said he's coming back. He's going to take me with him, that there's an inheritance in heaven. And so I have hope today. Today as a follower of Christ, you can have hope. You see, the world would love to place their hope in a lot of different things. They'll place it in themselves. They'll place it in their career, their relationships, maybe even their investments. But all those things can change. The economy is, cu- is currently changing. And so everything is unknown and everything is unstable and we don't know what, what is going to play out. And if you place your hope in those things, then it is constantly changing the more hopeless you become. But if we place our hope in Christ that's eternal, where the word says that moth or rust or varmint does not destroy it, then we can be people of hope and not be moved. And I would venture to say because we know that we are on mission by God on this earth, it is our job, our responsibility to deliver that hope to other people. Because the people of this world are looking for things that they can put their hope in. They're looking for things that they can anchor to because everything right now is, is rocking the boat. Everything is sinking sand and they're looking for hope. And so I would, I, would, I would say that God commands us to deliver hope to a hopeless generation. I've said it before. It's worth saying again, you are a hope dealer. That that is what God wants you to do, to deliver hope to these people. And so we are people of hope. And what are we hoping for? We read it in that verse, the glorious inheritance in the saints. The glorious inheritance that my God didn't forsake me and leave me here on earth. But that the way that he ascended, he's coming back. And he's coming back for his church. He's coming back for us. And that brings us hope. But that glorious inheritance, what does that mean When he says, in the saints, because I would have wrote it to the saints. That's a glorious inheritance to the saints. But no, no, Paul says it's a glorious inheritance in the saints. Well, Paul right there is letting them know about the unity that's in Christ. When he says the glorious inheritance in the saints, he's talking about different ethnicities. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation will be unified in Christ Jesus. In this context of Paul writing this, this would be Jew and Gentile. But in our context, it would be that this glorious inheritance is for it. doesn't matter if you're black, if you're white, if you're Asian, if you're Hispanic. You all are part of the family that our, the family of Christ is more than just your last name. It's bigger than that. So it's not just about Cornerstone. It's not just about America, but there's enough to go around that everybody who calls in the name of Christ can be a part of this family. And So Paul is just teaching them that the, that the culture is going to aim to divide you. He's going to do everything they can to divide you. But Christ is doing everything he can to unify you, to bring us together. Sinner or saint, black or white, we are found in Christ Jesus. We are one. We are unified in Christ. <laughs> Let's go ahead and keep reading in Ephesians. Band, you can go ahead and come. I know we got to. Do the baptism in just a moment. I want to finish out as much as we can. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. Watch Paul make this hope so tangible. I love it. He says, In Christ you also, when you heard the word of truth, that's this right here, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in him. And when you believed in him, this is what happened. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And this is what the Holy Spirit is. This is who it is to you. It is the guarantee or the down payment of your inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. And so what Paul's saying right here, what God is wanting to say to the church is, is that I'm giving you the Holy Spirit as a down payment. Until you're with me in heaven and obtaining this inheritance and living that inheritance, I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you by spirit. The Holy Spirit is God's very spirit. And so he's giving it as a down payment. And so the next blank is that we have the Holy Spirit in Christ. We have the Holy Spirit in Christ. Galatians 4 talks about it. It says, because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And that spirit calls out Abba, Father. And so God is showing you a tangible way in which you can know as a follower of Christ that you have been chosen, that you have been adopted, that you have been redeemed. He said, I'm going to let you know, I'm going to put my stamp on you. I'm going to put my seal on you. You're going to be sealed with the Holy Spirit, my very spirit, as a down payment. And so today you can rest assured that you have an inheritance, that you have been chosen because the Spirit of God lives in you. And this is different than any other religion. I was watching a study this past week of this, of this man who was in China and he was researching all kinds of different religions. And he was starting to research Christianity. And after he got done researching Christianity, this is what he found. He said, Out all the, the, the cultures, all the religions of this world in, in, in times present and times past, he said, there's no other religion where the God that you worship comes and lives inside of you. He said, if that is true, If the God of this world, the creator of this universe loves you so much that he chooses to come live inside of you, then that's the God I want to worship. And church, I think it's so easy for us to forget the magnitude of that, that the one who spoke and there was life, the one who created all that we see, that very God wants to dwell inside of you. He wants to live inside of you. Because he wants to have a relationship with you. And so the relationship isn't strictly my knowledge. The relationship is that he's inside of me. And I want to know him. I want to hear him. All to the praise of his glory. That's what Paul's saying. He said, you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Now praise him. Now thank him for the Holy Spirit. Praise and honor him because his spirit lives inside of you. Not only does it live inside of you, but Paul gives us insight to some of the things that the Holy Spirit does. Verse 19, Paul keeps praying. He says, I want you to know with the immeasurable greatness of the Spirit's power towards those who believe, according to the working of His great might. And this Spirit, the Holy Spirit, He worked in Christ He raised him from the dead. He seated him at the right hand in heavenly places, far above all rule and authority, power, and dominion. And every name that's named, not only in this age, but in the one to come. Paul says it has such great power. The Holy Spirit has such great power in your life that God wants to do immeasurably immeasurably more than you can ask, think, or imagine. Peter, when he writes 1 Peter, he sums this up so beautifully, and we're going to read this as we close. I want you to lean into this. Let this get into your hearts. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, Peter says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth. That's what's going to happen today. New birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ From the dead. That's what's going to happen when we get baptized. You're you're resurrected, a new creation. Verse four. And into an inheritance that can never perish, never spoil, never fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who through the faith, watch this, you're shielded by God's power. You're shielded by God's power until the coming of your salvation. That is ready to be revealed in the last time. Verse 6. In all of this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer and grief and all kinds of trials. These have come, watch this, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of great worth, of greater worth than of gold, which perishes even when refined by fire. So you're going through tough times to prove the genuineness of your faith. And when you have gone through those tough times, may it result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Verse eight, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, you believe in him, and you are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So this great power that God sealed you with and implanted into you, God said it is going to be a shield to you, that it's going to protect you. You see, when you're found in Christ, there's that covering. And the Holy Spirit acts as a shield in your life. Why? Because the enemy doesn't like it that God dwells in you. And today in this place, you're going through things, attacks on your family, attacks on your marriage, attacks in your career, attacks with your children, and you begin to wonder why. Why is this happening? The Bible's clear. We have an enemy, an adversary, and he's coming for you. He's coming for your soul, your faith. He wants you to turn from this faith. But if we would just remember who dwells in me, that the same power is available to me that was able to raise Christ from the dead, And the word is clear that it shields us, it protects us. We'll learn as we close out the series when we get to chapter 6 about the armor of God, that it is armor to us. And today I believe that for those who are already found in Christ, that God wants to remind you of the power that you have, the victory and the authority that you have. And then for those who find themselves today at rock bottom, hopeless, in need of a Savior, in need of what we're talking about, God wants to provide that shield to you. He wants to provide his Holy Spirit to you. It's no longer do you know him, do you believe in him, it's today I'm making him Lord of my life. I submit, not my will God, but your will. Would you come and forgive me, cleanse me, I repent, I return, I turn away from the things of this world, I turn towards God. And so in this moment, would you bow your heads with me? We're going to reflect on what the Holy Spirit's doing. We're going to have a moment to respond, and then we'll move into baptism. But as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, we call this a reflection time. This is where we're just reflecting on what God's saying to you. Maybe for you, the Holy Spirit's reminding you of who you are in Christ, the the blessings that you have in Him the power and the authority that you have maybe for others you you realize that you haven't been found in Christ I know about him I go to church I've read my bible but I've never made him lord of my life the word says to you that if you would confess with your mouth believe in your heart that Christ died and rose again and that you make him Lord of your life, you will be saved. What does that mean? You will obtain that inheritance. That inheritance that we talked about that doesn't spoil, it doesn't fade away, that it is secure. And in that moment that you submit to Jesus, God sends his Holy Spirit to live inside of you to shield you, to give you power. Acts 1.8 says that you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You can be baptized in the Holy Spirit. You can be immersed in the Holy Spirit. You can be full of His Spirit, walking in the Spirit. The first step, submission. Submitting to the Lord, making Him Lord of your life. So as your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, before we move into a response time, a time of prayer, if you're here in this house today and you say, you know what? If I'm just being honest With you today, Pastor, I'm far from God. I don't feel Him. I don't hear Him. I feel all alone. I feel abandoned, and I feel like that God has forgotten about me. But today, through worship, through the Word, through the Holy Spirit, He's drawing me back in. I'm feeling His presence. I I can't explain it. I feel the hairs are standing up on the back of my neck. I don't understand it. I don't know. But He's here. And he wants me to come into a relationship with him. If that's you today and you need to give your life to Christ, would you lift up your hands and say, that's me. We're going to include you in a prayer in just a moment. We're not going to embarrass you in any kind of way or call you to the front. We just want to pray. And so if that's you today, you say, you know what? Today's my day. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I'm making him Lord of my life, whether that's for the first time or the 10th time. But I'm, today's the day I'm submitting to him. And making him Lord, would you lift up your hands and say, that's me. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? This is a big decision for you today. You could put them down. But your heads are still bowed. Your eyes are still closed. Listen to me. The Bible is very clear. This, this is uh, not to manipulate you in any kind of way. But the, the moment that you give your life to Christ, very soon after that, if not immediately, they found some water. And they were baptized. Today's an awesome opportunity if you have not been baptized in water for you to do that today. Again, as those who are getting baptized today, you can find me down front. We'll give you what you need. I just want to make that option available to you if that's what the Holy Spirit wants you to do. But all over this house, could we stand to our feet? We're going to pray, and then we're going to move into a response time for just a couple of minutes because there's needs in the house. People came in here with heavy burdens, heavy loads. There's things that keep you up at night. There's things that are straining you. There's obstacles in the way. And there's people that have been praying for you. This whole service, they've been praying just for you. And now they're going to make their way to the side walls. This is our prayer team. And they're here. The Bible says that you can call on the elders of the church. They'll lay hands on you. If you're sick, they'll pray for you. They'll intercede for you. And so we want to do just that. So here's our options. As we move into this response time, we're either worshiping in our seat or responding to the prayer team or maybe in the altar you want to give before the Lord. We're going to spend a few moments and then we're going to start our baptism. Can we do that, Father? We thank you for this time right here. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're in, the, in this place moving and working, and, and God, you are making a way when there seems to be no way. And so, Father, I thank you for that. I thank you for those lives who just said yes to you. They raise their hand, they confess with their mouth, they believe in their heart, and Father, right now, they're a new creation in Christ. I'm thankful for that, Father. Thank you that we're never too far gone, that you love us and you care enough about us to save us regardless of our situation. And so, Father, in this moment, as we've heard the word, we now respond to the word. And Father, we want to be your children, called by your name, made in the image of Christ. And so Lord, we respond appropriately to what you're doing in this moment. We thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.